Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, Paul Gray here. Got a question to ask you to start off with. What do you think of when you think of baseball? What do you think of? What comes to mind? Do you think it's America's pastime or just a silly game that grown men get paid millions of dollars to play? The word baseball makes me think of beer and peanuts and Cracker Jacks, vendors shouting, Limonade, Limonade, get your Limonade here. It's the sound of the bat hitting the ball and the roar of the crowd. Thousands of people in Kansas City's Kauffman state-of-the-art ballpark or grade school boys playing on an empty lot like I wish I could still do. Some people see an incredibly slow-paced, boring game where people stand around for a long time with nothing happening, a stupid game. Others see it as maybe the most intellectual sport of all, where at the highest level, Batters see every rotation of a hardball coming at them at 100 miles an hour, dipping and darting. And somebody like my hero, the St. Louis Cardinals Stan Muschel, you can barely see the number six and the Muschel name on the back of the shirt that my wife Kitsy got me for Father's Day sometimes a year ago. Sometimes we see somebody like Stan Muschel getting his 3,000th hit and 620 more and just enjoying a great career and knowing everything about them. We think of fielders all moving at the crack of a bat to places that don't make sense to the casual observer, but are real difference makers to real fans. Some of us see players stealing signs and hitters laying down bunts and double plays and pickoff attempts and grand slams and no-nos and blown calls by blind dumps like the ones in the picture behind me, and meaningful statistics like ERAs and RBIs and exit velos. We write Ks on our scorecards as we watch the game, and our emotions soar and plummet as Mighty Casey, or Super Salvi in Kansas City, hit a grand slam home run or strikeout. Baseball, Americans' pastime, all pervasive in Central and South America a sport that hasn't changed much since, well, listen to this article that I read online in preparations for this talk. The article says, you may have heard that a young man named Abner Doubleday invented the game known as baseball in Cooperstown, New York, during the summer of 1839. Doubleday then went on to become a Civil War hero, while baseball became America's beloved national pastime. The article says, Not only is that story untrue, it's not even in the ballpark. As it turns out, the real history of baseball is a little more complicated than the Doubleday legend. References to games resembling baseball in the United States date back to the 18th century. Its most direct ancestors appear to be two English games, Rounders, a children's game brought to New England by the earliest colonists, and Cricket, 
By the time of the American Revolution, variations of such games were being played on schoolyards and college campuses across the country. They became even more popular in newly industrialized cities where men sought work in the mid-19th century. In September of 1845, a group of New York City men founded the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club. One of them, volunteer firefighter and bank clerk, Alexander Joy Cartwright, would codify a new set of rules that would form the basis for modern baseball. Hadn't changed much since 1845. Calling for a diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. He also abolished the dangerous practice of tagging runners by throwing balls at them. Cartwright's changes made the burgeoning pastime faster-paced and more challenging, while clearly differentiating it from older games like cricket. In 1846, the Knickerbockers played the first official game of baseball against a team of cricket players, beginning a new, uniquely American tradition. The article goes on to say, now you know the truth about the origin of baseball as opposed to the lies that had been spread so often that in 1907, a special commission created by the sporting goods magnet and former Major League Baseball player A.J. Spaulding used flimsy evidence, namely the claims of one man, mining engineer Abner Graves, to come up with the Doubleday origin story. Cooperstown businessmen and major league officials would rely on this myth's enduring power in the 1930s when they established the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. Well, that reminds me of religion. Lies got spread. People relied on the myth's enduring power. They came up with man-made doctrines about eternal conscious torment and hell and exclusion, and they set up shrines to perpetuate the lies every Sunday. (laughs) Baseball. What comes to your mind when I say that word? Actually, it was two separate words to begin with, base and ball. Some people say the word baseball a lot. I don't think they know what it means. How about the words grace, and truth. Some people say those words a lot without even thinking. I don't think they know what they mean. As Don Keithley says, every city has the Grace Baptist Church, the Grace Presbyterian Church, the Grace Methodist Church. They use the word grace a lot, he says, but I don't think they know what it means. Are grace and truth like baseball to some people, just boring words? You've heard and said them, but never give them any thought. Are they just theological concepts that bearded old men study from dusty books in a library where you have to whisper and be reverent as you read. Grace and truth. Jesus, whose essence is love, became one of us full of grace and truth, Scripture says. If Jesus is full of grace and truth, and we are just like him as he is in this world, as Scripture also says, Maybe we should know what we're full of. Somebody says, you're full of it. Yeah, I know. I'm full of grace and truth. That might be a conversation starter. Even to those of us to whom baseball is a, quote, way of life, unquote, we understand that others may not be as interested or even care, and they have other fine interests. But to those of us who live and breathe and enjoy and experience grace and truth, (laughs) Those of us who have the revelation that we're immersed in it, who bask in and revel in grace and truth, 
those of us whose lives have been changed by it, who enjoy a fuller, more abundant life because of it, we want to share it with everyone. Everyone might not like baseball, but everyone will like grace and truth once they know the truth about grace and truth. Grace and truth, the way of life. Jesus, love himself, full of grace and truth. Jesus, who is the way of life, who is truth. Jesus, who is grace personified. Jesus, who is one with the Father and the Spirit. Jesus, who is the exact replica of the Father. Jesus, who is total goodness, pure light with no trace of darkness. Jesus, the Savior of the entire cosmos. Jesus, who chose to make his home in you, his permanent home. Jesus is continually revealing grace and truth to us, grace upon grace. Jesus is continually revealing deeper and deeper and deeper facts of the Father to us. What do the words grace and truth mean to you? I agree with my friend Malcolm Smith, who says, if grace and truth are not awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping, goosebump-manifesting, euphoric ecstasy, uh, you don't yet know grace and truth. Now, that's not a criticism or a condemnation or a chastisement. It simply means you may use those words a lot, but I don't think you know what they mean yet. Grace and truth. All right. Our assignment for this week was to meditate on grace and truth. I hope you did that. And I hope you heard the spirit of grace and truth speaking to you. In John 1.14, John writes this, the word, Jesus, became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled, or fixed his tent of flesh, lived among us, and we actually saw his glory, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth are his glory. John 14, 6, Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. The actual word in John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am truth, means true reality. Jesus is true reality. He is God himself. If the God you worship is not like Jesus, worshiping a false God. Now, in Ephesians 4, 15, Paul writes this phrase, speak the truth in love. Actually, only two words are there in Greek. Speak truth is one word and love. Love is agape. Speak truth is the Greek word Alatheno, which means to speak or tell the truth, to teach the truth, to profess the truth. Speak truth, love. Love is truth. Now, that's contrasted with what John writes in John 8, 44. John writes this, Jesus said it. And Jesus is talking to religious agents of the lie. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Now, that's not to be taken literally. The devil, whether or not you think he's a real entity or a concept or whatever, the devil can't procreate. He can't create. He can't have children. 
but so Jesus is, is using an analogy here, a metaphor. He says, you are of your father, the devil, the slanderer, deceiver, accuser. And it is your will. And he's talking to religious people here. He said, it is your will to practice the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks what is natural to him. For he is a liar and the father of lies and half truths. The mirror says it this way. Two religious people. Jesus says, you are the offspring of a fallen mindset, and you desire to prove its diabolic parenthood in your willingness to execute its cravings. This cast-down mindset is what kills the human species since the beginning. It violently opposes the idea of the image and likeness of God, Jesus, in human form. The diabolos mindset, Jesus says, cannot abide the truth. There's no connection with truth. Lying is its language. In fact, the diabolos is the father of lies. That's pretty strong, isn't it? The lies that come from religion have no connection with the God of truth. Ephesians 4.29, Paul says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only what is good for necessary edification, building up of people, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Speak only grace. Grace and truth are one thing. Don't speak lies about the Father. (laughs) Don't speak lies about Adam's dark, angry, religious-talking snake God. He goes on to say, that grieves the Holy Spirit of God when we speak falsely corrupt communication about what God is like. The mirror translates it this way. Instead of cheap talk, your mouth is now a fountain of grace, giving encouragement and inspiration to everyone within earshot. Jesus is grace and truth. He, via grace, the Holy Spirit of truth, speaks truth. There is the spirit of truth and there is something else. You can call it an evil spirit, accuser, deceiver, liar, slanderer, the devil, whatever you want to call it. I call it the agent of the talking snake God. I mean, just think about accusing and deceiving and lying and slandering. Who does the agent of the talking snake God accuse, deceive, and slander? First of all, God. Second of all, us, and then other people. (laughs) All of that happens within the context of religion. It's religion that gives us a false concept of God, false concept of ourselves, false concept of other people. That's what happened beginning with Adam and Eve, and it's happened over time and it's still happening today. However, the good news is there is now a great awakening of the truth. People are becoming aware of and are remembering what we've forgotten. The Trinity's inexhaustible mystic adventure of experience and the euphoria of perichoresic community. I had a wonderful interview with Baxter Kruger this week. It's an hour-long interview that I'm going to post soon. And he talks about this wonderful, wonderful worldwide awakening to the truth. And he gets to travel and speak all over the world, and he's seeing it everywhere. We get to see it online. All right, the spirit of truth. Jesus refers to the word spirit, not the word spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, more than one hundred times in the four Gospels. 
And the word, of course, is just an aside, the word that Jesus spoke in Aramaic, spirit is feminine. All right, I'm going to summarize a group of scriptures. The truth-giving spirit unveils the reality of every truth within you. The spirit of truth, direct from the Father, speaks to us about Jesus. There is a difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. The spirit who is truth confirms Jesus' testimony. The truth-giving spirit unveils the reality of every truth within you. The Holy Spirit of truth remains with you and lives inside you, lives inside you. God is spirit, and he loves when we worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. Worship is love responding to love. The Holy Spirit and wherever she is, which is in us, there is freedom. Well, just amazing, amazing things that Jesus and the Apostle Paul primarily write about the spirit of truth. What's God saying to you these days about truth and grace? What's the Holy Spirit of truth saying to you about truth and grace? Well, like with baseball's lie and who invented the game of baseball and when and where, today we have 2,000 years of lie upon lie piled up in religion. We can never address all of those lies, and it's even a bummer just to talk about them. So that's why we go to the big picture truth that exposes counterfeit lies. Once we know the big picture of truth, then we don't have to look at all the little different lies, the myriad of them. We just, anything that comes up that's not kosher with the spirit of truth, we know as a lie. How do you know if you're hearing the spirit of truth or religious lies? Well, I was talking about that with a close friend this week, and he said, I know truth when I hear it because it resonates with the Holy Spirit in me. The Holy Spirit is in every person and is one with our spirit. And when we hear truth, that resonates in us. When we hear someone else speak truth or read it, we sit here, you know, online, or when we hear the Holy Spirit of truth speaking to us, that resonates with our spirit. We know it when we hear it, that the spirit of truth is in you, and the spirit of truth reveals and confirms truth. It, you just know it. The spirit of truth, exactly like Jesus, speaks and reveals perfect love, pure light, more than abundant grace, inclusion, no exclusion. Everything it reveals is all good. There's no fear, no punishment, no torture, no angst, no they should get what they deserve, no wrath, no law, no if then, no shoulds or shouldn'ts, no cutoff date, no worrying if we're in or out, no worrying if we've done something that's gone over the line. No, we won't hear any of that from the spirit of truth. All right, I'm going to finish up today with how the Bible finishes up. The very last verse of the book of Revelation in the Bible, Revelation 22, 21. Now, most of Revelation is an allegory, metaphors written sort of in code so the people of the time could understand it, not to be taken literally. Very few things in it are to be taken literally. The last verses, though, the very last verse in the Bible is this. Grace, Jesus, is in everyone. It's actually the words in Greek. Grace, Jesus, everyone. 
And we get to tell that really good news to everyone. So now we can be what God intended for us to be in the very beginning. We can be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with love and grace and truth and encourage others to hear from the spirit of truth, grace himself living in them. Hey, everybody, I hope this is encouraging to you. It certainly is to me. I got to close up now because it's time to go to the ballgame. See you all later. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.